and welcome to Iowa Stages, a podcast about central Iowa theater from the Iowa Stage Theater Company. I'm Matthew McIver, the Artistic Director of the Iowa Stage Theater Company, here with my co-host, Sean Wilson. Hello, everybody. And our fine, fine producer and uh, handsomely rugged man, Kyle Bocard. That's the advantage of doing it uh, just audio. We all look very, very good. Kyle uh, looks great. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> we are very excited to have with us tonight two of the folks who are working on Iowa Stage's production of Henry Gibson's A Doll's House. And I'll have them introduce themselves and say uh, what their engagement with the project is. Jennifer, can we start with you? I'm Jennifer Ross Nostrala, and I am the director for the production. I am Tiffany Flory, and I'm playing Nora in the production. And I should also say I'm also in the production, and I'm playing uh, Dr. Rank, although uh, people don't want me to be in the production, apparently. Everyone wants you to be in the production. No. (laughs) I'm not getting those vibes from this side of the table. (laughs) They were like, oh, I was going to have a night away from him, and here he is again. Uh, Well, yeah, we drag everybody in for podcasting. So thank you so much for doing this. We should say that we're recording this at the Stoner Theater backstage as actually tech is continuing. Real backstage. Real, real backstage. The backstage of backstage. backstage. So far back, it's almost from the house. Right. (laughs) It We're almost, almost on the street. That's how it circles circle. back around again. Yeah. And we are uh, teching both of these shows. We're doing uh, Iowa Stage is doing A Doll's House and A Doll's House 2 in repertory. Only the second theater to play these two together. Uh, Lucas Nath's A Doll's House Part 2, obviously, is the sequel to Henrik Ibsen's uh, 1879 masterpiece, A Doll's House, celebrating its 140th anniversary. I don't... I, what, 140 is what, Sean? Is that uh, microchips or, or uh, blood diamonds? What, what's the 140th anniversary gift? And, uh, oh, the gift. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's a camel. I don't know. A camel. Saying, Camels yeah. for your 140th anniversary. <laughs> I'm lucky if I'm in any relationship to last longer than two years. So <laughs> you get up to paper. Oh, do you? I see. I don't know. I just yeah. I get up to paper and then I'm done. That's, That's right. it. Because you know who wants to buy more than paper? Just Sorry. we're 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 wandering far afield. Kyle yeah. Kyle will edit us out. Paper's readily available. <laughs> is all I'm saying. So uh, a doll's house, obviously. Now there's a there's a concept that that I was talking about with with someone recently. Uh, the concept of something that I call theater famous which is something that's incredibly famous to theater people, and the vast majority of people have no idea what it, what it is. Henry Gibson, yeah. I think, is one of the most theater-famous people in the world. He's a hugely influential Norwegian playwright, uh, winner of the Nobel Prize uh, for Literature. Uh, or they've seen the play and never heard of it. Yeah, or it, never saw it. You know, they've seen, uh, they, they've they heard might, the play and never seen it. Yeah, right. You know. That's the right way to say that. Yeah, and theater, fam- theater famous can be like people are like, oh, we're doing Tartuffe, and normal people are like, okay. So. But, play by Moliere, for those of you, you can Google it. That's a wonderful thing. But A Doll's House is, uh, according to Zappy.com or some website I was looking at, one of the ten most famous plays in the Western canon. Zappy.com? I I made the website Are you pitching? Are they sponsoring us? I I wish. Zappy? Okay. Zappy, you can find my contact info on the website. Sounds legitimate. (laughs) And one of the most famous plays in the Western canon, uh, hugely influential play, did, uh, yeah, Jennifer Tiffany, wh- when did you guys first encounter a doll's house? When did you first come across your consciousness? Was it in school? Was it in college? Was it in... I don't know. Did I teach it to you, Tiffany? I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you <laughs> taught it to me in college. Yeah, well, we, we had an class uh, for mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Oh, I wasn't, that. I wasn't in that, but then when I went to grad school, we actually studied in uh, every, every year. So in the spring semester, we did a Heinrich Ibsen and Chekhov class. So we focused on... 
Ibsen and Chekhov right. together okay. as realism, and and we would do two, scenes from that. Two so of I, the great yeah. masters of realism in exactly. the theater, you know, influential in both the, the the style of presentation that they had, and it was a very realistic style. It's a slice of life kind of feel, but also in the subject matter, particularly that Ibsen tackled with the Doll's House. So Jennifer, uh, you were saying uh, we should clarify for those of you who are wondering how you taught it to Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> she was an instructor just last week. We hooked them yeah. up. That's right. right. So like, time. Time. It's like teaching. a crash course. So I've been teaching at Simpson College for a long time, and I won't even say the number because it's been a really, really long time. So I had Tiffany and also our producer Kyle in classes. A this few is years part ago. of the glorious thing about Central Iowa Theater is the connections go back decades for a lot of folks. It's really fun. Um, when did so Tiffany? You may have come across it first with Jennifer at Simpson, right? Jennifer, do you remember even the first time you came across the Doll's House? No, I mean I think I was probably in college. I don't remember mm-hmm. like the moment of it. It's just sort of always been in my consciousness. It's kind of like you just know about it, right? So I don't know when I went. Oh, I have read the play for the first time. I've just read it now. What was your sort of take on on Ibsen or or on A Doll's House in particular before coming to work on it? Because if I unless I'm mistaken, this is the first Ibsen you've directed in a in a long and illustrious directing career. We keep emphasizing like long and the, the long. The, I wasn't emphasizing. For the record, I want it to be known. I am not emphasizing that. Thank I you. I appreciate you're, that. You're wonderful. You know, that's a little tally in your. Uh, Sean's, Sean, Sean's kissing up to his director. Yeah, I was as he's sucking up. As, as I'd say, should. as he should. Um, so, I mean, I've taught it for a long time, and I I never directed it. It was directed at Simpson before I started working there, so it was really a long, long time ago. Uh, but I that wasn't us. I, I don't believe you. <laughs> that's just. All right. But I was always really fascinated with it, and I would teach it in classes. And what was really interesting to me is that students would get real. I mean, Nora leaves. Okay. So there's, you know, there's the spoiler alert. It's on the website. But but students would get really, really pissed off. They were mad at her for leaving. And this is when I'm teaching it five years ago. And I thought, well, what's wrong with you all? She's making a choice. Things are not happy for her. And what was their perspective? What was their take? Well, on it was that it was a mom leaving her kids. And, and they're very young kids, we should say. Yeah. And that, that at the bottom line for them, really, um, they could not forgive her in many ways for that. They said she should have stayed. She should work it out. I guess they want them to have marriage counseling. You know, they thought it was just problematic. Which was not a significant feature of 1879 Norwegian society, we should just point out. <laughs> well, marriage counseling no, was not evolved. But, they don't, but, you know, we don't look at anything necessarily from the historical perspective and go, they wouldn't have done it that way then. We go, well, what would we do now? So I think right. that's how people will still look at this, right? They'll go, sure. so she's made the choice to, to leave. I mean, we have a problem when people are in uh, situations of domestic violence and we either don't know why do they stay, because we could ask Nora why did she stay for eight years, And then when they leave, it's like, well, is that really the right thing? Is he really that bad? Right. And I think that's part of what we ask with Torvald. Is he really that bad? Right. But I think in this production, he (laughs) really is that bad. Honestly, that's the big stumbling block is the kids, right? I think for for our society today, I think – because otherwise, if the kids weren't involved, I don't think it would have been – for for our society nowadays, I'm not sure it's quite as big a choice. It's like, okay, yeah, she should just go. She right. should leave. Right. But the kids, that's a that's a different thing still. Right. Yeah, well, because the assumption letter. would be and she so would take them with her. Why, don't, right. why doesn't she take them with her? Right, yeah, But yeah, in, yeah. This, in that day and age, I mean, she was going to have to fend for herself. She was going to be penniless yeah. when she walked out that door. She's not she going to have no anything. And but this is what I'm thinking about is that it's such a big decision for us now. Like it's still like a controversial decision yes. to leave the kids that I can't imagine what it would have been like 
back then when like the biggest I mean the whole play the whole crux of this play is based on the fact that like Nora's not supposed to borrow like women couldn't borrow money they weren't supposed to have anything to do with money really unless it was they can't take out loans well married women and, in particular. and that, that yes. hasn't changed Mar- yeah. it's it's been fairly recent past that that's changed okay right yeah. I mean even in our society, well, I that, guess. yeah. My I my, my mom would tell the story of, of calling about a credit card and and them asking to speak with the husband. Yeah, and right. and my dad called them and said, "You need to talk to her because I don't deal with any of this. She does." You know, it's <laughs> it, so it's it, it that's not you know that's less than fifty years ago that that was happening. Sure. Um, Tiffany, how about you? When you first came across, the, were you one of the kids in uh, Jennifer's class who were arguing against Nora staying, or were you like, "Go Nora, slam that door"? What was your What's your initial take on a doll's house and on Nora? Well, um, I I don't remember having uh, as big of a reaction. I think that I was always Team Nora, and I always kind of felt like she got a bad rep. Um, Because when you when you actually read the script, I mean, at at the time, she honestly kind of feels like maybe she isn't the best person to be raising her children. Um, there, there's kind of, and especially in this translation, there's kind of this element of where everyone around her is telling her that by being, you know, by lying about, you know, borrowing money for eight years, like she is potentially corrupted her children or being a bad person also affects the children. And so there is that element of, well, I mean, you know, at the time, uh, in, in history, you know, we all thought putting leeches was going to solve the world problems or make you feel better. So, you know, if you're getting told this, and she doesn't quite know about society or, or the reality of what what actually is affecting raising children, you know, she has to figure that out for herself, and that's one reason why she leaves. She has to, she decides, I I don't know anything, and I've always just been listening to what other people have been telling me and accepting that as truth. But you know what? I need to start over new and decide that for myself. And so she actually has a choice of, well, I'm going to even just saying goodbye to the kids. She doesn't want to put that kind of burden on her because she knows, well, maybe I've made some poor life choices in the past and I don't want to affect that to my children. So they're in a better place without them coming with me. Right. And a lot of people look, you know, like I said, look at that as negative, but you know, uh, I've actually talked about it with Carrie, who plays Nora in A Doll's House, too. This is actually something that we discussed, where at the moment that she leaves, I believe she left the children for those reasons, thinking, oh, this is, I would be a horrible mother to them because I've done all these things and I could affect them. But she kind of came at it starting Doll's House, too, where after time has passed, it might be a little bit more of a selfish reason that she left to then start that out. Um, but, I mean... I mean, just because time passes and when you realize, oh, what's going on in those 15 years, so it'll be really interesting to then see how Carrie then takes Nora. But, I mean, as far as my initial reaction, I I was team Nora. <laughs> yeah. So taking that, and, and it, it's fascinating to me when we do these, you know, Iowa Stage being the, the child of two parents, RTI, which mm-hmm. had a really focus on the classic, Stage West had a really focus on the cutting edge. When we look at these classic, classic plays, you know, 140 years of opinions, 140 years of productions, 100, I mean, it's been done, Doll's House has been done constantly for the last century and a half. It's one of the most famous plays. Um, when you came then to shifting out of that, uh, let's read it and talk about it phase into, hey, let's work on it and put it on its feet, 
I'm curious if anything shifted for you or if you made discoveries in the play that you hadn't hadn't thought of or if things twisted for you. There's always an intersection excuse me, between the actors and the the text, which creates an interesting kind of dynamic. I'm just curious, you know, for both of you, did anything shift for you as you were working on it or? Well, I make discoveries every time I hear it. I mean, I think it's a fascinating play and I think it is not dated in any way, even though some of the circumstances might be, because I think it's about people trying to figure out their place in the world. Mm. I think she has to leave because she is, she is nothing. She is, she doesn't have any identity. She is without a, She's a rudderless ship, if we use the shipwreck uh, kind of idea. So she doesn't know who she is. But there are all these things in terms of we're talking about trust and courage Mm -hmm. and the impact of money and society and people's expectations for us and who gets to be with who and who can't be with who. I mean, I think it's totally relevant. And I so for me, every time every time we run it, do different scenes, new things come up. So it's always really fresh. And I, I am particularly, um, I particularly noticed in the past few rehearsals how not dated it is. Yeah. Well, and I think it also helps that, you know, I think we should mention that the, the actual translation that we're using uh, was done by Thornton Wilder, which is really, I mean, and it's One really. One of the greatest American playwrights. Yeah, so he took the, and just really uh, sculpted it. And, uh, you know, for some, there's a lot of animal references, I think, <laughs> or like in the original, uh, training, he kind of, he kind of got no rid of some of that sort of, of stuff. Like, no bird. You're my little squirrel. bird at the end, I think. And yeah. that's the only thing. Songbird. Get. I get yeah. called songbird once. Yeah. And so then, then I was telling Jennifer last night that I saw, uh, an adaptation of this that was set in India and he constantly referred to her by food. My little prawn and garlic butter. My right. little, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all these edible so, things. It was really <laughs> weird. It really does bizarre. not sound appealing at all. It was really disturbing. Prawn in butter? Prawn in garlic, garlic butter. butter. Oh, and garlic butter, even. So I smell. I know you tell Now I just wanted to go eat. Yeah. So there is... Uh, Tiffany, for you, were there any surprises as you've been, as you've gone on this journey? You were you, you were Team Nora, and you're playing Nora, so um, presumably that hasn't changed. But I, would, I mean, uh, every time's just a little a little discovery here or there, whether it's why somehow. Uh, Somebody says a line differently that then it, it sparks me into an ang- you know anger or, or uh, uh, I've I've come to find that using you know the children has mm-hmm. been uh, has really influenced it. So whether it's you know looking off and, and just feeling the love of a mother for children because yeah. especially since we have these two absolutely darling children, Ben's uh, Ben who's playing my husband Torvald, his his two children are actually playing the children and they're just the sweetest. So they come out and you just you can't help but fall in love with them. Yeah. So it's so easy, yeah. it's so easy just to fall on that. To I mean, which lot. makes it super easy to leave them at the end. Oh yeah. no, yeah. no, it makes it very hard. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. But at the same time, um, I. Uh, Oh gosh, I was gonna say uh, near the end it became uh, it's as opposed to just trying to discover the world. I would say that we've we've kind of stumbled on her being a lot more strong and almost you know he talks to her like a child through most of it, and so kind of turning the the tables on him near the end. He's a real good mansplainer. Oh yeah. my gosh, you're, 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 massive man. You want to know something that's like yeah. you, that's been an evolution of my thought as we've gone through, especially taking it from the page to actually seeing it, seeing it. And uh, so I'm playing Dr. Frank. And for, so I, I had very small scenes and then, but so mostly I just get a watch and it occurred to me, I think on my first reading, I was like, I may have been a little bit more in that corner of Torvald's not that bad. I might've been in that Torvald's not that bad corner. I still got why she left. 
But I also felt bad for Torvald. I'm not sure I feel so bad for Torvald anymore. Like, and 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 it's it's seeing it on its feet, and just it's the way he talks to her. It's so, in demeaning. some cases, really super demeaning. And but he, he's and so I, sincere. He is so convinced. Yes. He's like, oh, sweet, my yeah. child. He's not my doing little- it out of spite or out of any kind of like animosity or anything. And it's and, just the and, way and so that he is. When there are parts where, where like the heat kicks up between you guys especially like towards the end you're having all that sort of or uh, like when he thinks that he's in big trouble you know then then it's amped up times 10 and it, yeah. then it's mean and then it's spiteful you're like okay I get it yeah he's not great like Torvald's not great I mean she, Ben's performance is fabulous yeah. there was actually I think moments uh, that it took me by shock like when he was actually up on his feet talking mm. to me that I mean I almost had to laugh because it was just so Wow, I didn't realize you were going to be so <laughs> mean or patronizing and oh my gosh, that hits that hits in a really really deep yeah. personal level. And and I'll say from the, from an outside perspective, not it's all in the text. It's all yeah. how oh, yeah. how it's there. It's, I just know. didn't read it that way. Like I didn't I for some reason it was just like it doesn't when you're reading it on the page, it doesn't really come across. Yeah, but that's also cuz I think we we excuse men Sure. For the surface, which is, I'm just trying to take care of her. Right. I'm trying to make a good family. Yeah. I'm busy at work. And he has sort of this persona that everybody respects. For me, no, I get that. For me, it was just even the language. Yeah. Like, until you hear him say some, Like, I didn't understand. Like, I didn't get the... He calls her a child. All the time. So much. All it's the time. so weird. Or creature. Creature, yes, but the, a creature the child, constantly, the, which has an oddly like, Frankensteinian sort of feel. Fatherhood, father, sort of. Oh, it's so totally paternalistic. Weird. I yeah, mean, it's really, really. really so when she says, "I went from my father's hands to yours," yeah. I mean, but that's still, you know, yeah. that's the wedding ceremony. Yeah, the wedding ceremony is, "I shall give you my daughter because I am just passing property from right. one to the other." So it yeah. is paternalistic. Yeah, yeah. and what. So I, that's a fascinating example of something that you that, that's different when you got on stage. And we talked about how it's sort of much more. It's it's not dated. It's very. It has a very fresh feel to it. What what do you think people get wrong about this play? What do people not understand about a doll's house, or what misconceptions do you think people have about this? That now that you've spent time with it in rehearsal, that you've you know grappled with these characters in a really three dimensional way. Well, I think it's I, not, I, it's I, not I, actually it's not about dolls, kind of says. Yeah. No, it is. That's true. Like, I didn't see Buzz Barbie in there. <laughs> That's <and> true. <laughs> that was really That's weird. Nor right. is there. Nor is there a house. You know. Right. Well, I think it's. Well, we do. We have little. I think it's because we just think it's about the last moment in the damn play. I think it, we think it's just about she leaves, and that's what the play's about. And I think what we realize it is... It ends in one of the most famous images in theater. Yeah. yeah. But that's not what the whole... I mean, that that's the end of the play, and it's an important image in the play. But I think all the human beings on stage are really important. And, and one thing that I forgot, because I think you go, oh, you go Torvald, you go Nora, that's all the people... That's all you need, everybody else is just a plot device but it's not I mean I think what's fascinating is all the other characters that are on there as well that have their own sort of looking for self-actualization looking for somebody to care about them needing to have purpose we have Christina who she talks about because I was thinking about this last night her only happiness is work 
Yeah. Christina Lynn, played by Emily Davis. And we mentioned Ben Sheridan's playing Torvald, and uh, Amelia and Adler, his kids, are playing the, the Helmer's kids in the show. But, but, yeah, talk, but Michael Tallman is playing uh, Krogstad. Krogstad, right? yeah. yeah. And I think, but I think the notion is work gives somebody purpose. So work is about money because we have to, you know, we have to survive. And that was a society where money was really, it was about climbing up, right? right. Yep. But the notion is really work is purpose. And so Christina goes, it made me happy to work because she also had purpose. She was taking care of her. She was busy taking care of people. And so I think Nora's realization is, she, what's her purpose? What's our function in life? And so for me, that is embedded in all of the characters. What is their purpose? What will they leave behind? Right. Yeah. So what was their purpose? And yeah. in, in then are they only empty space when they're gone? Mm-hmm. Talk. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, you know, also really looking at there's a, a smaller character that's in a doll's house, but then she becomes a really big character in a doll's house too, Anne Marie, and she's the she's the nanny to the children. So obviously, when you think of uh, those small interactions with Anne Marie and who she was to Nora, to then 15 years later, she's the one that was actually with the children for those 15 years. Right. And so, I mean, that's it's a small. You seem you yes. might think it's a small character in a doll's house, but I'd say you, you need to watch like her little interactions with Nora to then really that influences a lot of a doll's house part two. Yeah, and, that, and and it's interesting. I mean, Iowa Stage Theater Company is doing these two shows in rep on the same set, uh, two very different shows. But you know, Lucas Nath's sequel, A Doll's House Part Two, written you know 138 years after Ibsen's. Um, and, and as you say, Anne Marie, uh, who's played by Laura Jordan, becomes a much, becomes a, a an even larger presence in A Doll's House Part Two because of the the consequences of that choice that Nora makes to leave. As we start to see some of that played out in two, you don't have to see both of them, uh, but you should. You totally should. But you can understand one without the other. Yeah. Uh, you can understand two without one, and, and you can understand one without two. But you, I think there is something interesting about having. Uh, both of them, uh, you know, so for 130 years, uh, nobody knew what happened to Nora. Nobody knew what happened to Torvald and the children. Um, uh, playing Nora, Tiffany, was that at all, was the, was the second play a, an impact on you working on the first play, or were you just sort of focused on this slice of her I, life? I mostly focused on, on her slice of life. I, I know that Carrie and I, I talked, but it was a lot more for, for Carrie. Mm-hmm. Nora in A Doll's House Part 2. Um, and, I mean, like I said, we had had a couple of discussions about what happened to, to Nora within those 15 years. But um, it didn't necessarily – because her life, honestly, is a 360 from the beginning of A Doll's House 1 to the end of A Doll's House 1. And that springboards into what A Doll's House 2 is. But, um, I mean, we she she came to watch and we talked a little bit about, you know, mannerisms or, you know, the Tarantella that I do. She kind of learned some of the steps herself so that she could kind of use that a little bit in a doll's house, too, to inform that. We had an interesting conversation uh, just now with uh, Ashley Maxwell and Carrie Scram of A Doll's House Part 2. Ashley Schaefer. Ashley Schaefer, excuse me. Daughter-in-law of Maxwell. <laughs> <laughs> Schaefer. That's important. That's important to know. Do you want to do that over again? Or let's yeah. do something like that. An interesting conversation. Yeah, I can cut that last part out. Uh, <laughs> interesting conversation. No, but stay there. Schaefer and uh, Carrie Scram of A Doll's House Part Two, and one of the interesting things from her was she uh, was Ashley said she she stole things from you a little bit that she picked things from Nora to influence 
playing Nora's daughter as an adult in the second piece. You know, some of those you know, mannerisms. You, you, Nora hasn't been there for 15 years, right. but there would be some of that stuff that would come through. From- what was interesting was actually last year when we did the staged readings, I actually read Nora from A Doll's House, and then I read Emmy in A Doll's House Part 2 when we did the staged readings, and those perspectives are quite different. But, I mean, it kind of remind you know, it reminds me that even uh, people who are strayed from each other for years apart might still have some similar mannerisms that you might feel that, that so that's really interesting I actually didn't know that she did that but I think that that's it, that's more much more realistic in a way because sometimes you innately just take things from even subtle phantom memories that you have yeah. of someone and because that's all you can hang on to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so we We're doing this in the Stoner Theater of Des Moines Performing Arts and doing both shows in rep, so we're on the same set. The Stoner itself, if folks haven't been there, is an interesting sort of – it's sort of a shallow thrust space – Ibsen, as, as we talked about, was an innovator in his day for, his natu- for the realism that he brought to the stage. Uh, but that was all proscenium stages, so it's a very different kind of environment than how we're doing these. Uh, talk a little bit about the set and what having, you know, what sort of thought process or if there was anything that changed for you about having people on three sides of that set and, and what the environment of the play. Because you're, you're in the Helmer's home for both shows, it's obviously anybody's home, particularly a home in which you're raising kids, is kind of an f- emotionally fraught place. What was what was that like? What was, what was some of the discussion or impacts around that? Well, J.J. said it's fabulous. I mean, it, it create he has walls that create, we're very loud in this space, we've got a little extra sounds. Um, what was uh, great is that he created these kind of short walls that really pen in the space, and so um, we really do get kind of a cage setup um and i for me i think the the fact that we're in a thrust allows them to actually experience the realism more than if we're always saying we're going to open up to this one audience and so i think it's a compressed space it's tight in some spots but it doesn't feel um overly tight we have room to actually spread people apart sometimes when there's that kind of tension uh it, I, I think of it kind of as a dance you know, as they're moving through the space when they're trying to move in and out. Um, and we kind of, you know, and, and whether we kept it, wow, it's really loud out there. Whether we kept it or not, they're sort of, um, kind of, when they get particularly tense, they become much more like caged in animals. So if you look at moments where Nora is like moving around the space, she's caged in. When we look at Torvald's kind of last breakdown, he's very much like an animal in a cage who doesn't know how to get out. So... So I, the space is great. I mean, and it's just—I mean, it looks really good, which is important. But I think it operates really well for the actors. Well, we are doing these in rep. Well, what, were there any sort of? Uh, what, what are the challenges in doing that? I mean, because you have to use the same stage as Jody, right? I mean, what, were, was there a lot of um, Jody Jenks, who is uh, directing Doll's House too? Was there a lot? Was there, did you have to compromise a lot? Well, no? it, actually, um, you know, it really was Jay who really established the world. And that was kind of like, okay, can we get on board with this? Because he also knew how to work in this space because it's that weird sort of it's – it's somewhat what weird shallow thrust. But he knew how to work in that space. And so the notion was how can you really tell these two different stories within this one space? And um, for me, it wasn't – <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> Sorry. Great moment. Just, just for people out there, we have there. There's a, a, a an open house sort of thing, but we're we're gonna we're moving through. through that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it was necessarily compromise. Um, uh, I I got a space that I could put 
human beings in and put actors in. So I, for me, there was no compromise. Um, I don't know. Hers was more abstract, but what Jay did is he really strips it down. So even though it's the same set, it's also not the same set. And I think it, it's, yeah, it sets up a different dynamic when you walk in. So the Helmer's home looks kind of nice and cozy, right? There's your line, right? Isn't it cozy in here? Uh, but it's really stark when everything goes away. Yeah. 15 years later so yeah so i think the space is i mean jay gave us places for to people for plant to be intimate with each other to move apart i knew i wanted the chaise i did ask him for something like that because i just knew we needed a place where people didn't have anything physically between them right um and that's kind of when we use that space and right. then nora you sort of claimed that as your space the chaise is my is my happy place that's right <laughs> <laughs> and also we talked Jay Jagham's fascinating set design. We've got Susanna Douthat doing uh, uh, some really great costumes. And uh, you guys slid the period of the piece a little bit, didn't you? Uh, the time frame? Or well, that's... Uh, from a costume we, perspective? I, I think we probably don't want to talk about that necessarily because it's sort of the notion of it being kind of an amorphous time. It's still, you know, we, we didn't change. I don't even know this program, say, 1879. It's just that there's a little bit more fluidity in terms of the costumes. Nobody's going to think it's a different time period. We didn't, you know, we didn't move it up 15, 20 years. It's just um, men's suits always basically look the same from that era. Right. Yeah. Kind of thing. And, and, it, and it brings a certain... Uh, rigor to the costuming for women, of course, because the, the clothing for women at that time and was... we're still wearing the corsets and, and the bustles. Corsets uh, and bustles. And bustles. Uh, yeah, our... our the, the best <laughs> day was when your your shawl got stuck on your bustle. When you, <laughs> this was after Sean had put the cane on your bustle. And then oh, I put a, when? When did I do that? And oh, then I waddled right away. Well, it's, it's a lot like a shelf. It like is. It's, yeah, it is. So a bustle, for those who may not know, is a, is a piece of women's clothing that, that extends out the back. And, and it's kind of like a pad or like a pillow that you've kind of tied... Yeah, a butt yeah. shelf. Yeah, and you tie it. You tie it around your waist, so it when you put a skirt over it, it kind of makes it look like your behind is a little bit more robust, and it does kind of look like a shelf. Well, and yeah. the cane went on the the cane went on the shelf, but then just to you, see if it would stay. I think we could it get did like stay. A I walked around. Television. I walked away. You had to come and try to grab it back. Right. Yeah. I think we could get like a large screen television on there. I've had like a, like a whole entertainment. Oh, console. I see a performance piece coming up. <laughs> So, but it, how as on an actor, bustle, not on you. Yeah, as an so as an actor, how does that level of physical change affect your presence on stage, your feeling on stage? I mean, do you feel a difference when when you get in the costume, when you get in the? Did you I'm, have like a I'm rehearsal? I'm sure Jennifer corset? can attest that I walked in and presented myself very differently when I started wearing that corset. So, uh, I think that physically, yeah, I mean, it it creates a definite. Uh, I, I want to say, it, I mean, it's rigid. It is rigid, so it kind of creates, but that's the time. So, I mean, it helps with keeping the more physicality as opposed to what I would do, which is probably be a lot more free with my, you know, free, but it keeps me a little bit more still. And so it, I think it helps inform the character and the time period that it. That but it's, it's rough. Like, you can't yeah. breathe sometimes. You and then trying to dance and dance. spin around. Right. Yeah, and oxygen is optional. <laughs> so Jennifer had me wear 
I think it's. <laughs> I think men need to wear corsets I'm, as well. I'm, if I'm, women I'm, it's, right it's, now. A, it's a unique Honestly. experience when you've had that opportunity. You really don't forget what that what that fe- feels like physically. We also should mention Jim Tremper is doing some really interesting stuff with the lights. The the mood and the look of the piece is terrific. Well, thank you so much, guys. We appreciate your time. We thank appreciate you your work in. on the show. Yes, We're sir. excited for thank people you. to see the show, and if they're catching this after the show, uh, I hope you saw it because if not, you really missed out. Uh, that's a doll's house happening at the Stoner Theater of Des Moines Performing Arts, opening September 27th, closing on the 12th of sure. October. Yep. And uh, you can check out tickets in the whole season at iowastage.org. So, Jennifer Mistrala, Tiffany Flory, thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank, thank you, you guys. Thank you. Thanks. All right. This has been Iowa Stage. It is a podcast about Central Iowa Theater from the Iowa Stage Theater Company.